Sometimes it's like we have a hole in our heart where this is a piece where we really wish that family could show up there and be different. And we have to accept that they're not able to, not because they don't want to, because they don't love you. It's not that. It's just that they are not capable of showing up in the way that you need them to. But let's look at the other parts of your heart and what fills you up. And where do you feel you can work through those things? Where do you feel you can get that validation and acceptance from people in your life who fill you up? I'm Amy. And I'm Abby. And as women, we are constantly comparing ourselves to others. But your life isn't supposed to look like hers. Being your best self means standing firm in your decisions and always being willing to grow with a purpose. We get vulnerable and real with an honest look into the challenges and triumphs we all face. Every woman listening gets the opportunity to choose what life looks like for herself. We're back with the second part of our in-law episodes with Dr. Tracy D. She was in last week's episode where we talked all about the dynamics of in-laws and your children. This week, we're going to dive into the adult side of the relationship and cover a ton of questions that you guys wrote in for Tracy. Tracy, are you ready to dive into more in-law questions? More in-law questions. There were so many good in-law questions that came in. And yes, I always have fun chatting with you guys. And also to showing up as human, right? Here we are. We are three mothers. We have human experiences. Relationships are hard for everybody. I just really want to normalize that, that if you're listening and, you know, just knowing that everybody struggles at some point in their relationships. Making us all feel more normal right from the start there. (laughs) And we also want to get really specific and go into some specific instances in this one are really big issues. Like we're talking about really, really big topics. And as much as it's been ingrained in many of us, that family comes first. I know Mm -hmm. for us personally and for many listening, these past couple of years, it really, really felt like they have rocked the boat. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think that this is an old message that comes in our society. And I don't think it's a bad one. I mean, families are important, but I think that we're shifting in the sense that there's just something changing where we feel like, okay, you know what? We don't have to keep repeating the intergenerational traumas or the cycles that are happening that we get to show up differently. We can set boundaries and that also too, our communities change. We are no longer located just with accessibility to those around us, but we can have a best friend who lives in Europe and we get to talk to them every day because of the internet. And so the people we choose to lean on and bring into our closest circles aren't always our family members because sometimes those relationships are not healthy. They're toxic. They could be manipulative. And really this is about that conscious choosing of how we want to show up in our families and what we want to teach our children. Well, and all of that, it was so different when our parents and our in-laws became parents for the first time with their in-laws because the internet wasn't nearly as big yes. back then. So it's just, a, it's a whole different world right now. Um, Absolutely. So Tracy, one of our listeners said, how do you handle racism with in-laws? Mm-hmm. And I know that this is kind of a general question, but overall, what if in-laws are saying things that really don't align with your values? And there are things that you absolutely don't want your kids to hear. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think this is such an important question. So when it comes to racism, sexism, discrimination, um, we think of the LGBTQIA plus community. We, we don't want, we want to be doing this work, right? So many more of us are showing up and doing this work. And, and again, I think it's important that it's not just saying that we're not racist, we're trying to be anti-racist. And so this, this question always comes back to values. What's really important about this family relationship? What am I trying to teach my children? And I think sometimes when it comes to boundaries, what people start to do, so boundaries expressing our needs to people, is people try to vacillate between this avoidance. They go into an avoidance space where they say, okay, you know what? That comment, totally not cool. We're just not going to see them for a while. We'll let this settle down. That doesn't really make the issue go away. And then on the other side, then we vacillate and swing to the other side, which is then we push and we press and we try to get the other person to totally see what it is that we're trying to say. And that may not work because you might end up in more conflict. But I think when we come back to this question of what do we want our kids to be seeing, we want them to see us educating and having this knowledge and awareness, because if they see us doing that and confronting our parents around it, they'll also feel empowered on the playground when someone makes a racist comment and they'll be able to say like, that's not okay. This is my friend. Right. So in some ways we could show up and say, that's not correct, or this is not helpful or in our family, we are inclusive. So you might find something really simple in a family, particularly as I know these conversations can become contentious. So you might find one statement that doesn't need to explain all of the things. If your family's not open to hearing that, but you are saying something, I think it's important. We demonstrate that we say something here. Um, But we have to remember, too, that there are always going to be these experiences and that I don't think we can remove our kids completely from it. You might instead try to demonstrate what your values are. You can do that by processing and talking about it afterwards, like being able to say, like, what was that like for you when grandma and grandpa said those things? What did you think? This is how we feel and this is how we approach it. So that we really want to go into that educational space and processing space rather than an avoidance space, because our children will be exposed to this at other times and not just with their grandparents. I think it's also okay to have a conversation at a different time outside of when these things happen and be able to say, listen, When we are around, we are really trying to teach our children these values. So when we're around, I do not want you to speak about race or sex or discriminatory comments, whatever that looks like. And if you do, so here's again, and I talked about this in part one, this is around the consequence. And the consequence is really important because if there's no consequences, then why would anybody listen to your boundaries? The consequence might sound like if you do make those comments, we're going to pack up our stuff and we're going to get going. We won't, we won't hang out for the rest of the time. It's also kind of that conversation around politics, right? If politics get brought up to the table, we're going to say, nope, we're going to leave the table. We're not engaging in this conversation. So finding something that works for you and your partner to hold that in place with your family, I think is really important around such an important conversation. Yes. You know, when you're talking about that, I'm like, I, I think this is a place where it is okay to have a hard boundary yeah. and, and to be transparent and clear about that. Like, we are not going to tolerate this. Yep. Here's what's going to happen if you go there. Yep. And that's kind of the end of it. This isn't, this isn't up for debate. This is very important to us. Um, Absolutely. That's not correct. That's not helpful. We are not discussing this, right? You, you get to demonstrate that to your children as well, that you're not going to go into that conversation. Yeah. And it 
did get really hard um, these past couple years because down here in the States, we were going through some reckoning. And that was race. That was politically. Politically, things became so heated. One of my friends wrote in and said that her in-laws call her a liberal Nazi and a sheep. Mm, So painful. I know. I think it's probably very hard to have a healthy relationship when there is name calling about your beliefs. Other families, they have a little bit more subtle ways. One woman said that her mother-in-law always texts political things to the family group message chain. Oh, right. So that's a little bit more subtle, but obviously purposeful. Can you give us any insight on on how to deal with if politics are something that we don't want to talk about with our in-laws because we know we have different beliefs, but they're pushing it constantly? How Mm -hmm. do we deal? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So here's my, my very personal opinion. I don't really like family group messages. <laughs> I think that they work in terms of when you have to coordinate events, but in terms of the ongoing running dialogue, I think that things can get really sticky when you start bringing everybody in and that we're losing the art of what it means to show up face-to-face, right? Suddenly people are taking things very personal. Um, it, it can feel sticky. That's my own personal opinion. I know that this is always a, it depends. People can make it work. Um, Oh, in this one, that is so painful. It would be incredibly hard to be in that space. You know, when I think of this one, I really hope that her partner is on board and stands up for her because I'm kind of envisioning here her partner being able to say um, it was her her in-laws saying to his parents or her parents, this is not okay. You cannot call my partner names and we're not going to come around if this is what you do. So being able to really firmly say that, and if they say, oh, we're just joking, or they try to minimize, or she's overreacting, just to stay really firm on that. It is not okay to name call my partner. And if you do that, we will not come around. That's very firm. And I think people feel really uncomfortable with that, but it's a strong message. And then at any time down the road, if they go into that again, calling her these awful names, again, that's the, we're not going to be here. For, the, for this, we are going to leave now. And over time, they will learn that they can't do that. Yeah. And this happens in my in-law relationship. I feel like being very succinct has been my best way to go. So I will say, listen, we see the world two different ways. And I don't yeah. think either of us are going to budge from this conversation. So I would rather not talk about it and enjoy our relationship outside of yep. politics. Yeah, and and that is so freeing. That is like saying we can have a really good relationship in this other stuff over here, but we don't bring in that other piece. And that's okay because like let's think of how we define a good relationship. A good relationship doesn't mean that you get every single need met. It means that some of them you're able to talk about and negotiate and meet and other conversations you just put to the side and you agree not to have those conversations, especially when there's such a polarization like that. I'm even thinking about that text message chain now that you brought that up about just staying away from the text message chain. Just recently, our third had his first birthday. So we had all family on one chain. Yes. And I remember being terrified about what 
I'm going to say it like very plainly what my father would say, like what he would say back when the political banter started in, because we do have people on both sides that are very, very bold in their messages, Mm -hmm. but are also very, very opposite. So the whole time, please don't say anything. Please don't say anything. Um, But that actually brings us into the next question here. So much of this interview is about in-laws, but one of our listeners asked, what can we do if we're the kid of parents that have been rude? Maybe they've since Mm -hmm. apologized, but it's still awkward. I have so many questions about this one because I'm wondering why it's awkward. On which party? Is it awkward for them? Is it awkward for their in-law or for their family? Um, if if it's awkward, can you talk about awkward, right? Like, hey, like I've noticed it's awkward. Can we talk a little bit about what's going on? Is there something more that we need to talk about? So instead of actually like going back to the initial injury or the rude moment, we're going to do a talking about talking which is I've noticed this thing happening between us. You know, I could be wrong. I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Maybe this is something about me, you know, just want to check out, like, are you okay? Is there anything else that you need to talk about? And if they say no, but they continue to be awkward, then that's not in your responsibility. That's something you have to let go of and you can't control that and say, okay, you know what? I did my piece. I checked in with them. They're still being awkward and I can't do anything more for that. You know, I'm also thinking when I'm hearing this one, I'm like, what if your families might not be best friends? Like you picked your husband or your wife to marry But the families didn't choose each other. And we see all of these pictures. I mean, I know I do on social media, everything. And it looks like everyone is just having a hoot and everyone's best (laughs) friends. But I just don't think that's the reality for all the people listening. No. And, you know, not everybody has to always like everybody. I I think there can be a lot of power in being able to say like a distant relationship is better than a bad one. So if you're trying, so I think what you're saying is gathering the two separate families, right? So both parents and seeing if they could go together. Is that what you mean? Yeah. I mean, I just don't think that we can force people to, you know, be like great if it happens. Great if both sides tolerate each other enough to get to get together for a kid's birthday party, (laughs) but maybe, you know, some people are, their hopes or their expectations exceed what the reality of the situation might be. Yeah. And then that builds disappointment, right? If expectations are really high and you had hoped for something and it's not there, then people do have to deal with that. That's, that is disappointing. It's tough. And, and also part of building relationships. We don't have to be liked by everybody. We don't have to get on well with everybody. And that can be a really freeing experience. It might mean that families, maybe you don't celebrate first birthdays together, right? Maybe you have two separate parties. Remember that all is going to be about what works best for you your partner, and your child's health and wellness. You guys are the new family. And it's important to stop looking at the emotions of our parents and trying to make sure that they're okay, that they're not upset, and that we're pleasing them in some way. As children, we often try to please our parents, and we don't need to keep doing that as adults. Yes, and that is very hard to master because Mm, it's it's ingrained in a lot of us. 
It's 2021, we are heading into fall, and no one has time for uncomfortable shoes. And that's where Rothy's come in. When they surveyed thousands and thousands of customers, the first word that came to mind was comfy. And now they've also launched an entire men's line. These shoes are intentionally designed and created with nearly zero waste. They're durable and wash after wash, they are known to have the perfect fit. So if you have a guy in your life that definitely needs an upgrade when it comes to his shoes, check out rothys.com slash herself. Again, that's rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash herself. Another similar issue that can arise is the fact that different families do handle conflict differently. One listener wrote in and said, my partner's family sweeps everything under the rug. They do not discuss issues. How can I mm-hmm. deal with this? That's such a good question. And I know so many people can relate to that. I, I get it. We, we want something to be different, right? The biggest thing that I would say here is that it is not your responsibility to navigate your partner's relationship with their parents. I, I think that is so important that they have been doing And I said this in, in our last session, but if someone stumbles on this one first, They have been doing something for a really long time before you joined the family. And if we're not talking about your children, we're talking about just kind of like how events are scheduled or plans coming up, um, whose house we're at, we might not be able to talk about all of those issues if there are problems because that's how they function. So again, when we're talking about what to do here, if we're looking at safety. We need to address safety issues. And we also need to address issues of respect. Respect is so important. So if they are saying kind of like the questions we had just addressed, if they are saying something hurtful, we want to make sure that your partner is the one standing up for you and saying, that's not okay. You can't do that. But otherwise part of me is kind of like, well, this is a depends question. Like you may not be able to do more about this because it's not in your control to change another dynamic. I'm curious what you guys think about this question. Yeah, I think that you could really exhaust yourself trying to fix because I think like Abby and I were so into growth and we're so into like we joke, we we are like therapists' biggest fans. We've interviewed so many of you. We read all these books. Like we really pride ourselves in healthy communication patterns. Yeah, you got you guys are you're like conscious, right? You're doing this conscious awakening, you are growing, you know what all of this stuff means. Yes. And we also are like we know that we cannot control other people. So this is all great right. growth for us, but it doesn't mean right. that we can plug it into every relationship because some people just aren't there yet. Um, so I, j- I just try to really think, is this something that I absolutely like need to speak on? Is it something that's yeah. really negatively impacting our relationship? Or is it something that I can let go because it's probably not going to change? Yeah. There's a lot of self-work that we have to do when it comes to boundaries with families. Self-work and grief. We, we can really long for something from a family member, right? You know, if we even think of our own parents with our in-laws, we might really long for, to feel important, to feel validated, to feel accepted. And I I can think of so many of my clients who will tell me like, I just want my mom to validate me. I just want her to see my feelings. And sometimes our parents are not able to give that peace to what we need. And I like to remind my clients that sometimes it's like we have a hole in our heart where this is a piece where we really wish that family could show up there and be different. 
And we have to accept that they're not able to, not because they don't want to, because they don't love you. It's not that. It's just that they are not capable of showing up in the way that you need them to. But let's look at the other parts of your heart and what fills you up. And where do you feel you can work through those things? Where do you feel you can get that validation and acceptance from people in your life who fill you up? I think that's really important. And I know this conversation is mostly on in-laws and parents, but this goes with every type of relationship. So sometimes that's Uh with coworkers or your own partner or friends where it's just in that moment, they're not able to support you in the ways, but hopefully you do have someone else to go to in those situations. Uh And I know that sometimes we're also going to have to have those really, really tough conversations just to let someone know how we're feeling. Like this is one of those exact examples. One woman asked, what is the best way to approach hurt feelings? This woman in particular, she overheard her mother-in-law talking about her. So when I cried to my husband about it, he said, well, she probably just thought it was funny. Mm, Yeah, this is is another one of those, it depends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, so her husband said she probably thought it was funny. And without knowing the full conversation, what that looked like, when I only see that sentence right there, I think that her husband dismissed her. And perhaps maybe he felt a little defensive of his mom, but dismissed what she was feeling and wasn't able to see what she was feeling. So ideally, what I would want to know is like, like, what is this really about? What do you need? Do you need your mother-in-law to see how she hurt you? Or do you need your husband to be able to say like, yeah, I totally get that. That would hurt. And I'm really sorry that happened to you. And, you know, moving forward, let's make a plan for how we can address this together. So that's something that I wonder. And if if you feel like he dismissed you, I would want to go back to that and just let him know like, hey, like I need you to see that the things your mom says that yes, she might think it's funny, but I have an emotional experience and that really hurts me. And I need you to just sit with me right here and to see that I feel sad and it hurts and just for you to be able to say, like to validate that experience for me right now. Perhaps on this one, you don't go back to address what's happened here, but maybe you and your partner make an agreement about a future boundary and helping your partner see what that would look like. So here's the thing. If mother-in-law says these things that are hurtful, perhaps her partner says, she, she, my mom probably just thought it was funny because he's used to hearing those kinds of things. So one of the things that I see happening with partners is that you know, we all have these coping mechanisms that we develop as kids. So if say, for example, your husband is growing up in this environment, and again, I'm just kind of playing with this as one idea. There are lots of ideas here, but if your partner grew up in an environment where his feelings were constantly dismissed, he learned not to share his feelings. And so if this happens now in adulthood, he actually might not be attuned to when his mom does it now as an adult, because he's been doing it as a coping mechanism all throughout. So he might not know what those hurtful comments look like. And I would want you to be really clear when your mom says X, Y, or Z, those are really painful things for me. Could we have this plan? If she says those things again, he might not be attuned to that, that you might have to nudge him a little bit to be able to say, this was one of those times that was really hurtful. So kind of, I think there's two parts here. One, asking your partner to validate you, but also to give your partner permission that he might not actually know what that looks like and that you can help him to see that. See, that one was tough for me because she added in the clue that she was crying. So uh-huh. it's like, dude, she's crying dude. about it. <laughs> but I will say to get to use myself as an example, um, 
one thing that my dad tends to do is he'll do this really last minute drop in or um, he's just not the greatest planner. I think I get that from him. And that bothers Drew sometimes. And so for me, I'm just also putting myself in the shoes of someone that I'm always like, babe, that's just how he is. Like, it's okay. it's yeah. just how he is. When I also want to respect my partner and his feelings, because he'll be like, it, you know, it stresses me out or whatever. Um, so I think sometimes we need to even though it's our parent and we're so used to the way they operate, Uh understand that for our partner, that might not be, they might not have the same acceptance of that habit. Oh, absolutely. And then our job isn't to fix it and explain it, right? That's kind of what he was doing. He was trying to explain it or you're trying to explain it to your partner. Um, But instead just being able to say like, oh, that really hurts or, Oh, you don't like when he just drops by what, like, what would you propose? What do you wish to be different? And kind of stepping out of that, like I need to fix and problem solve mode. I think it's important. Yeah. I'm excited for this next answer. Cause I think that it is <laughs> something that I have dealt with. So one thing that came up over and over again is the idea of who should speak up. Oh, yes. So this woman said, how do I encourage my husband to speak up when it comes to his mom and her behavior slash her comments? While another person asked, when should it be my partner speaking up versus me? I think it's maybe going to look different for every family and every situation, but I would love if you had any general tips for us. I'm always pointed to culture for this one. And we really need to throw that into this conversation as an important piece. I did a reel recently um, on Instagram and it was about grandparents. And I had several people remind me that, that we cannot set boundaries if it's a different culture. So a South Asian culture, for example, might struggle more to set a boundary Um, so I think that's important. And especially if partners are, if there are two different cultures, two different backgrounds with partners. So that's the first thing. And that is going to be something really important to navigate. Ideally, I would say that whoever's parent it is, that's the person that needs to be setting the boundary because you are showing up as a we team. Um, you are also kind of like the spokesperson. You're the one going to them. You are the one that they know the most. And, you know, in some way it holds weight. There's a caveat to that. Again, this depends because I know in some families, a man's perspective, if it's a heterosexual relationship might be weighted more heavily. If the man goes to the father-in-law instead of the daughter going to her dad and says, we need you to stop doing this. So it's always kind of this depends piece, but let's talk about what you can do with your partner to get on the same page. I think when it comes to our partners, they might say something like, everything's fine. It's not a big deal. It's just the way my parent is like, you know, you just need to learn to let it go. So I think what we need to do is we need to help our partners grab some kind of buy-in as to why they need to speak up and have boundaries around this. So why might that be? You might ask them, well, what do you hope family visits look like? You know, does it feel good for you that after a family visit, you and I are having this contention and this fighting afterwards? Like, I imagine that doesn't feel good for you. So if we were on the same page in our boundary setting, then you and I wouldn't have that. Um, You know, you might also want to say, 
who do you go to bed with? You go to bed with me. We sleep in the same bed or we're in the same house. And now it's about us really needing to be that team to move forward. You don't want to be the scapegoat. You want to make sure that you are on the same team. And then also to make sure you work through with your partner. What are any of their fears around setting these boundaries? And remember, your partner comes with all of their early childhood experiences and what they learned growing up when they would say no to their parents or when they would express a feeling and the parent might say, get over it. It's not that big of a deal and be very rejecting that it might be hard for them to do that. And one more piece there, because Amy and Abby, you guys mentioning just how much of the personal growth that you guys like to do. Sometimes what happens is that We are more ahead of our partner in self-growth that they might take a little bit longer. And so we do need to make sure we give our partners a bit more permission to catch up to us or to learn up to us in those moments. Yes, that was a really interesting answer for me because over time, Drew and I started deciding that we would kind of speak for ourselves and we have mm. you know healthy safe relationships with both sides um but it was interesting because my mother-in-law she said to me she's like you know she had two sons and then she's married to her husband she's like you're the first like woman that has entered uh. the family and so that was a new relationship dynamic but I know mm-hmm. that she is such a caring person that if I lead with my feelings and I say, hey, I felt like you were kind of judging my parenting there and and here's why that, that hurt my feelings, she responds much better. Whereas when I was trying to go through Drew, it was like mm-hmm. he... He couldn't relay like the feelings as well. He was just like, <laughs> I don't know, Amy's like upset about... And so I think that different things will work for different people. And like maybe we're also in different stages because now Drew and I have been around each other's families for 10 years now. So we're just at a different place than we were when we were one or two years in. Yeah, you've got this familiarity, right? You've got this knowing of each other and this comfort level. And again, the response of that really does depend because here you're describing someone who was really open to being able to hear that from you versus, you know, I think many of the listeners will say, no way would my mother-in-law. Yeah, I get a lot of feedback about that. Yep. And and here's the thing too, you guys, is she feels safe coming to me. I've hurt her feelings before. None of us are perfect. And so I had to receive when she wanted to be open with me and tell me something that hurt her feelings. So it definitely goes both ways here. I think it's easy for us to make these episodes and all of us to think it's all of our in-laws fault. (laughs) But truly, like a lot of times we are playing these roles, whether we realize it or not. And there's, there's some growth there. A quick break from our sponsor, Third Love. You guys know that I am all about comfort and this brand delivers on that. Third Love creates high quality underwear, sleep and loungewear that is comfortable and can follow you through your entire day. What I loved most about my third love experience was taking the online fitting room quiz. It gave detailed help so that I could find my perfect fit and style. So when the bras arrived to my door, they fit me perfectly and they were so comfortable. 
Third Love obsesses over every stitch so that you never have to think about how something feels, looks, or wears. While trends come and go, Third Love has always stayed true to one notion. We do comfort, you do you. So if you are ready to take their famous fitting room quiz, you can go to thirdlove.com slash herself now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 20% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash herself for 20% off today. I really appreciated the honesty of this next question. She said, how do I become a more integral part of the in-law family? I wish that I felt more a part of a family and less like a guest. Um, I have to turn this one on you guys because you like human experiences, I think, bring a lot to this. What what did you guys do to really integrate with your families, your in-law families? I know for us personally, my mother-in-law and I are pretty much the same person. So we're very, very stubborn in the things that we know that we want. So when we are together and decide and choose the same thing or have the same opinion on the same thing, we could like take over the world. But where our issues were, were when we didn't agree on something. So when kids came into the mix, for instance that's when we started having a lot more issues. But right away at the beginning, it was just figuring out like, what do we both like? What is positive for both of us? What do we both enjoy doing? And that was a way that we were able to connect outside of Colin because we both knew that we loved Colin, obviously. But that couldn't be like our only, the only piece that we agreed on, if that makes any Mm -hmm. sense. Yes. Yeah. And also too, hey, isn't that important that, you know, once babies enter families, that sometimes then the whole focus is just on the grandchildren when the adults still need to nurture their relationships. And we didn't. And that's where so many of the issues started coming in. I mean, it was seven years that we were together before we started having Mm. kids, maybe a little bit less than that. I can't count very well right now, but it was so good until all of a sudden it wasn't. And then it was the conversation on like baby wearing and breastfeeding and sleep and like things that are really important, especially with a first kid when I was trying to navigate it. It was, it just made it really, really difficult. Yeah. And I would love to add, I think you guys are exactly right. For me, what I really focus on is that at the end of the day, they're people and they want to be like seen and heard and even asking about their experiences. Like I will Mm -hmm. ask them about their relationships with their in-laws when they were younger, just to get more context and to open up the conversation. And it's actually a great time to, you know, talk about things that have changed Yeah, Um, But that connection with the person, which is why we wanted to do the second part of this episode to realize like they they aren't just grandparents, they're people and they want to be seen and heard and cared for and loved. And I know that my mother-in-law, you know, her love language is words of affirmation. So to make sure that I can give that to her. Because I do mm. feel so appreciated and my my father-in-law loves quality time. So staying up a little bit later than I sometimes want to, to <laughs> have that connection with him is really important. I love that you have highlighted these pieces here. One of the things that I really hear is that our relationships are reciprocal and that it's not just a like coming down, right? That That is a parent-child relationship often, right? Where we are saying, no, you can't have the chocolate chips at 7 p.m. Yes, I know you really want them and I can't let you have them before bed, right? But in, in our relationships with our families, now that we're all adults, 
there is more of a level playing field. You're all adults and you get to choose how you show up and how you speak to each other. And if you're going to be passive aggressive to each other, you know, that's not really a way that you would treat your friends. So let's get intentional. How do you want to show up in this relationship? Let's have reciprocity. Are you giving and taking? Is it, you know, does that feel good? I I think when I listed this question, one thought for me was, can you ask? And is this also maybe part of their family dynamic? So I wonder if, you know, did your mother-in-law feel like a guest in her in-law family? Is, is that something that is a role that's being passed on? And can you maybe ask what would feel good for them and how you could maybe do more things or kind of like how you guys were saying, ask to do things together. I think there's always this piece here. And again, we talked about this like hole in your heart that is this maybe not something that they are able to give you and that you need to accept that that's not, you know, feeling more like part, like an integral part of the family, maybe isn't something that they're able to provide you. And instead, can you nurture what you do get from them? And as hard as that answer is to take in, sometimes that is the right answer. Like there are so many good pieces about that relationship, but maybe that piece specifically just won't be part of that story. Yeah. It's like trying, it's like saying, you know, I wish I could really emotionally connect with someone and they're perhaps not able to do that. And we have to be able to accept again, someone else's capabilities and what they're able to give us. Mm. Tracy, we want to ask you one more question. And this is Mm -hmm. on, this is for anybody who has in-laws that are overly involved. So one listener wrote in, how do we establish privacy when the mother-in-law forces herself into every aspect of our lives? Mm -hmm. Parenting, plans, even money. So if you could give us some tips or just even starter conversations for how to gain more independence from these really, really involved parents, we'd love, love to hear what you have to say. I was just talking about this with a friend and, you know, being able to give that boundary statement. And this, this one in particular was something like, I know this is something you like to talk about. You like to talk about money and parenting. I'm really stressed about this during this time. And I don't want us to speak about that. So really just straightforward. And if someone pushes and says, okay, but you know, I just need to tell you this one thing. You just continue to hold the boundary and say, you know, I'm, I'm really don't want to hear this. It's not within what I'm able to do right now. Let's change the topic. Um, I think that's really important to be able to, to let someone know that's not what you want in your realm right now. Um, and then also to asking, so again, we've talked about this a little bit, but asking yourself, how do I indirectly or subtly give this person permission into these conversations. So for example, I'll use myself as an example. I can remember really needing validation with after my first son. And so whenever we would see family or in-laws, I would talk about the things I was struggling with. I was looking for validation, but by talking about what I was struggling with, I was opening the conversation for them to give me feedback. So instead, what I started to do was to not talk about what I was struggling with and to talk about what I was doing really well and what felt good. And then the feedback stopped coming. Or if they wanted to give me feedback about things, I would change the topic. So again, it's kind of like, what are we giving permission to others to talk about? Um, Do you talk about parenting and money in front of them? Do you save that for maybe a closed door conversation where you and your partner talk about it after your family is not around? I think that can be really important to consider. Yeah. It sounds like something where there might be a lot of reinforcement needed with Uh overly involved people. But then I think what I'm getting from Tracy's answer is like, what are also the simple things that you could do for Drew and I 
Um, his mom works for the local CPA and she used to do our taxes. And we just felt like uh-huh. that was a layer of privacy where once we hit a threshold, we were like, we just don't feel comfortable with this. So we switched so that she wouldn't see the ins and the outs of... <laughs> And I know some of my other friends, their parents had like access to their bank account, like their passwords. And it's like, all right, I feel like (laughs) at 30, we got to change those passwords and just, you know, make that boundary. So I think sometimes there are these simple things that we can do. And just because it's the way it's always been. Right. doesn't mean that we can't change it now. And if your comfort level changes, like you're allowed to make a change. I'll add to that because it's so beautiful what you said. And the other piece is be prepared for the other family member to be upset by that, right? It is upsetting that that something's changing. Oh, you don't want to talk about this to me? We used to always talk about this stuff. I used to always do your taxes. Now you don't want me to do your taxes anymore. And being able to to hold space for that emotion and say, yeah, I, I know that's hard. And this isn't about you. And this is something that we really need to do for ourselves. So really being able to validate that. And the other thing that came to mind as you were talking is, is to give your family permission around spaces that you do want to talk about. Okay. So I don't want you to do my taxes, but you know, I'd love your opinion on what we're going to make for this family dinner and to help them feel part of the family and to feel included. That's what we all want in, in a family is to know that we're important, that we matter, that we're good enough. Those are all really important things. Yeah. And I think framing it up too, like if someone's in the financial field and they're, they're truly trying to like help, having those conversations at a specific time and being like, we would love to hear what you think about this investment strategy versus this one. Like, I think Uh that you can still allow that conversation with just a layer of added privacy, you know, if that's the route that you guys want to go. Absolutely. Tracy, this has been such a valuable series. I personally cannot wait to listen to both interviews back because I think that this is something where we can pick up so many tidbits throughout both conversations. And like Abby pointed out once, it's not just about in-laws, if you think about it. Like these boundaries, we're going to have to set with friends, other family members, um, Mm -hmm. other people. So thank you so much. And please tell everyone where they can find more of you. Absolutely. I am hanging out on Instagram, Dr.TracyD. Send me a DM. Please tag me if you're listening to the episode and let me know what you thought. I always love hearing feedback. If you know you have a different opinion or something came up, I love hearing from people because it lets me know um, just kind of what, what this space does for them and if they've learned something or not. And you can check out the resources I have on my website, drtracyd.com. I have a blog there, access to my podcast, um, and any other resources that might be helpful for you. Yes. Thank you so much, Tracy. And you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to put up a question box for follow-up questions because Mm. all of these questions came straight from our listeners. So we really want to make sure that we are covering it all. Yes. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Amy and Abby, for sitting with me and inviting me into your space again. 